Welcome to Sunday Sermons and other recordings from the Unitarian Universalist Church of Davis, California. Please visit our website at www.uudavis.org for further information. something to say to these people this morning I do Ah. come come whoever you are you are welcome here no matter your age your size the color of your eyes your hair your skin welcome whether you come alone or with others you are welcome to this community of seekers no matter whom you love Our congregation is a place of welcome. Whatever your abilities and how you move through this world, you are welcome. If you come with laughter in your heart or tears in your eyes, you are in good company here. We are ready to build a world of fairness and justice. And some of us also need encouragement to rebuild our lives. There is space for both within this community Come with an open mind, prepared to understand more completely. A loving heart, ready to be both nurtured and challenged. And hands, willing to both give and receive. You are indeed welcomed in this place. We know that there is much we carry into this room joys and sorrows alike. And so we light two pillar candles this morning. The first to acknowledge those sorrows, those fears, the worry, the concerns, the unknowns, those things that weigh heavy on our hearts. And a second candle for the joys in our lives, for the celebrations, the hope, the good news. There is much when we come together. The lighting of the flaming chalice is a tradition shared by Unitarian Universalists. And this morning, I invite Sia Lee and Alex Lee Job to come forward to light our chalice. Alex has been a member of the congregation for 25 or 30-ish years and raised her children here. And Sia has been here five-ish years and is raising her children here. And they helped organize last night's Lunar New Year potluck. Sia taught us all how to make uh, uh, pot stickers and policed our rolling of the thickness and the roundness. So I appreciate that. Learn something new. There aren't many places where we are encouraged to bring the fullness of who we are. We are invited to come as grace finds us, but not remain unchanged for the better. This chalice is lit with the hope that we, too, may find a container for all of who we are, a holy chalice able to hold our courage and our fear, our gifts and our flaws, our joy as well as our pain. May we glimpse again what it means to be whole. May we find that peace of knowing that no part of us needs to hide. And so just ever so briefly, um, I wanted to um, have Alex tell us about what is on this altar here while everyone is in the room. Just just a minute or two. So... um, One part of Chinese New Year is honoring ancestors. 
So I have a photograph of people in James's family and my family that are dead. And so we have, that's why this photograph is here. And we have a phoenix a peacock plate, which is very feminine, flowers and peacocks. And um, we have this beautiful eight-sectioned treat plate with ivory inlay before ivory. No, it's abalone. Mm-hmm, abalone. Yes. And um, the fruits are all in even numbers. Even numbers are balanced. Even numbers are lucky. Odd numbers are not. So that's why there's four in this cluster, four in this cluster, two apples, two lemons, and leaves on the fruits are also considered lucky. And there's two hongbao, red envelopes, which are given to unmarried kids under 18 on New Year's Day usually with money inside. And there's a pair of pomelos and bright, beautiful flowers. And it's beautiful, it's bright, it's shiny, and it's celebratory. All right. So um, I just want to say that uh, Sarah and Will Lynn uh, donated a book to our congregation. It's ordered and it will be coming. And this story came from that book. So uh, it's been become quite a wonderful celebration of those who are Chinese and Taiwanese in our congregation. Others were invited, but it turns out that this is the population that we have among us in this congregation. So here is a special story of the kitchen god. And it comes from that book. At this time of the year, special attention is paid to the the kitchen god whose picture hangs in the kitchen. All year, the kitchen god watches over the household, carefully taking notes. So it's a little bit like that elf that you can buy and put on the shelf, and it's watching you all year long. Terrible thing. To keep him happy, he's given the plumpest and most delicious morsels of food and sweets before every meal all year long. And then before New Year holiday, the family slathers honey on his lips so only sweet words will come out of his mouth. Now, you'll see how that plays out in this story. And so here it begins. Long ago, the Jade Emperor appointed the kitchen god to report each year about everything that happened within every family. And the kitchen god became known as the overseer of destiny. One year, the kitchen god became very fat and lazy. Instead of keeping watch, he slept all day, waking only to eat the delicious food that was piled in mountains on his altar, kind of like this one. When the new year approached, he didn't have a report to make to the Jade Emperor. What could he say? He, but he had a duty to make a report. He flew to heaven and knelt before the mighty Jade Emperor. Tell me, the Emperor said, leaning over the large belly of the kitchen god, did the people on earth treasure the rich bounty of food Cherishing each bit so nothing was wasted? The kitchen god didn't know what to say. He didn't know the answer. He made up an answer from a vague memory. 
He had seen people grinding corn for a pace, so he said, You cannot believe how wasteful people are. They made a white paste from corn by grinding it with their shoes. It's disgusting. And so the Jade Emperor was really angry. They have no respect for nature? And he decided to punish the people with hardships. He sent fierce rainstorms that caused the rivers to flood. And then the Jade Emperor took away the rain and caused a drought. And the crops dried up and died. This will teach them to appreciate the fruits of the earth. And the star god visited the earth and was very sad when he saw how the earth was harmed and the people were hungry. He knew that the kitchen god had lied to the jade emperor, and so he told the people what the kitchen god had done. And the people just couldn't believe it. How could their beloved kitchen god betray them? And so they stopped placing food on the altar to him. The altars became dusty and coated with grease from the kitchen stove, and the god became thinner and thinner. But as the year approached, it was time for that kitchen god to make his annual trip to the Jade Emperor. And the people were worried for their lives. If he lied again and told the Jade Emperor worse stories, and so they came up with a plan. As always, they would prepare the most delicious foods for the kitchen god so he wouldn't go to heaven hungry. This year... They would also make chewy melon-shaped candies like melons. At the annual ceremony for the kitchen god, everyone toasted the kitchen god, gambe, which they would say which means bottoms up, and he drank the fermented rice wine every time they toasted him, gambe, gambe, gambe. His thinking became fuzzy, and he became even hungrier. They kept feeding him delicacies until his stomach was very full and very round. Then the people fed him the sweet, delicious melon candies. He loved them and stuffed so many into his mouth that his cheeks were bursting with gooey candy. He greedily continued to eat them until it was time to give his report to the Jade Emperor. And then... With a sticky candy in his mouth, his lips stuck together like glue. He couldn't say a word. And the Jade Emperor looked at the kitchen god's red cheeks and full mouth and silent lips. Ah, he said, the people on earth have realized their mistakes. The kitchen god has nothing bad to report. The next year, the Jade Emperor decreed that there would be favorable weather and a bountiful harvest. And from that time on, when the New Year festival approaches, people prepare sweet candy with delicious food. And on the day before the kitchen god returns to heaven, they toast him with wine and offer delicious and sticky food to make certain there will be a good harvest and bountiful crops in the year to come. And so that is the story of the kitchen god In some areas of China, it is this sticky sweet candy, and in other areas, it's a sticky bean paste. The country is large, and so the story has some slight variations, but it is the most popular New Year story. And so with that, we will sing our children to their groups. 
So last night was truly a multi-generational activity evening with some games with feathers and not, and lots of people with full cheeks of delicious food. And there are so many people to thank for that evening. The Lunar New Year, um, as it is celebrated in China and some other countries around the Pacific Rim, is very different from how we might celebrate the New Year in this country, where we might have champagne. There's sometimes a mm, little bit of the activity of that kitchen god with having gambe, gambe, gambe. A little bit of that. Um, uh, Happy New Year uh, greetings to each other. Some people go to bed at 8 p.m. You know, they're, they're figuring their, or 9 p.m., they're figuring their time on the East Coast time when the New Year might begin. Um, but, uh, but it's very different in China where it's a full week. You know, it's at least five days. And you may visit your family, which is a high priority. But also there's like one whole day where you go and visit your teachers. And you, you're devoted to your teachers. So how many teachers are there here who were teachers at some point? And yeah, nice, nice and high, please, for your hands. So you can imagine your students all coming to you and greeting you and telling you how much they appreciated you. What a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. And so it is very, very relational. And now in Wuhan with the virus, this is a terrible imposition for the country, for those who, who of course, are ill, are dying, but also for everyone who is not able to fulfill these visits and to spend time with family, um, extended family, teachers, and so on, the people that they really want to give thanks to in this season. So it is larger than we might imagine. So I want to say that to honor this new year, there are many new years, not just the solar new year, and that this is such a wonderful opportunity for us to hear about a different way to honor each other with the turn of the moon, I guess. And so we begin with two people who were very active last night and also who have agreed to speak. We also have many other adults and children who are Chinese, Taiwanese, and others who um, honor the Lunar New Year, but they were not able to be here today. Many more were here last night. Today turns out to be a very busy day. And so we have two wonderful people to speak with us. This is a well-known Chinese New Year poem, very ancient from the time of the emperors, by Wang An Shi, adapted by me. It's called New Year Day. The old year passes amid the sound of firecrackers. The Tusu wine is enjoyed along with a warm spring breeze. Did you feel it outside? The rising sun shines on every house and the old peach couplets are removed and replaced by new ones. So these scrolls that you see by the altar and the scrolls that you see when you entered the front door are Chinese couplets. And they have wishes for good health, good luck, prosperity, good fortune. So that's what they say, if you're wondering. When I think of growing up celebrating Chinese New Year with my parents, it never happened. My mother and father didn't practice any Chinese New Year customs at all. I never knew why. 
I can only guess that after they became stuck here, due to Mao closing the borders of China, they decided to neglect their old customs and assimilate into American culture. I think that's also why they didn't continue to speak Chinese with me, which caused me to lose the Chinese I knew as an infant when I entered school. So much of my life has been spent yearning for the culture I claim is mine, Chinese culture, that has eluded me. And on the other hand, struggling with being American, which as I grew up, was synonymous with being white, which I obviously am not. My mom didn't know how to celebrate American holidays, such as Thanksgiving. When I was 16, my turkey day dinner was a can of chicken noodle soup, eaten alone at home. On that day, I vowed to follow every wonderful American custom I could learn. When I had children of my own, our family observed Christmas, Thanksgiving, and Easter to the max. There were egg hunts, Santa pictures, and turkeys every year. Since I never learned the Chinese customs, I practiced the American ones happily. But what of learning the missing Chinese ones? College helped because I began to develop a sense of myself as a person of color. In 1969, I took a class about indigenous people from a young, handsome professor named anthropology professor. His name was Dr. Manlove. <laughs> when I looked at the photos of the indigenous men, I said, Steve, they look like my dad. What's going on? I also began tutoring in Chinatown with a large group of Asian students, college students, and that was my first experience of community activism. It was rewarding to feel a part of a group of young Chinese students helping vulnerable kids in San Francisco's Chinatown. Then I came to UC Davis to major in Asian American Studies and Education via an Applied Behavioral Sciences degree. I quickly began hanging out at the Asian American Studies Department in TB99, which became my second home. There I TA'd a class on Asian American women, which provided another <clears throat> positive experience. I also took a community development class from Dr. Isao Fujimoto, who was honored yesterday for his inspirational legacy of creating change makers. I consider myself one of them. Imagine my pleasant surprise when I walked into this sanctuary and saw him here as a congregant. Yet it was his partner, Reverend Chris Fry, and a warm welcome when I would bring my kid to RE that sealed the deal. Also the fact that she was the mother of a biracial child and identified as such as I did. Then I earned a credential at UC Berkeley, began teaching, and started a family. I kept learning as much as I could, and living in San Francisco with 82,000 other Chinese people with a thriving Chinatown was helpful. I took Chinese dance classes, read all of Amy Tan's books, and asked my parents lots of questions. I also enrolled my daughter in the pioneer class of the Chinese Immersion Program. 
I still remember this song about the colors of the rainbow. Hong Chang Wong Lok Lam Ji Koi Hai Yatu Choi Hong. So today, I wanted to bring a Chinese New Year goodie tray and a pomelo. So you'd think I could simply go to my local grocery store and buy them, right? Nope. Since I didn't have the time or energy to drive into Sacramento last weekend, no pomelo. I wonder what it would be like for you if you were not able to easily find what you needed for your New Year or holiday celebration. What that says to me is, you're on the margins. Your cultural items aren't profitable or important enough to sell in Davis. Who cares about you? The customs I do practice are those I learned from Chinese college friends' books and my stepfather. These are giving red envelopes, hong bao, and last year and every previous year I prepared a red envelope for my unmarried son. We bow to each other and wish each other xing nin kuai le, which literally means New Year happiness. Eating certain dishes on New Year's Day and last night we had uncut noodles for long life, and jiaozi, which is pot stickers in Chinese. And jiaozi is very important because the shape of them resembles old gold ingots. So that represents that you'll have enough money for the coming year. Cleaning my house, wearing red clothes, displaying Couplets of Chinese characters outside my front door, hanging red lanterns, thinking only good thoughts, which is pretty challenging in traffic, (laughs) being sure to get a haircut before New Year's Day, and giving family members new red clothes. So now it's 2020, and some things are better. There's a weekly sitcom called Fresh Off the Boat. Have you seen it? It's about an Asian-American family, and I like it a lot. It's very affirming to see a Chinese family using chopsticks to eat their dinner every week on TV. Of course, Amy Tan's book, The Joy Luck Club book and movie, and uh, if you remember the character named Waverly, that was me. Practice your piano, practice your piano. Yes, that was me. The success of Aquafina. She's amazing. I especially liked how realistic the farewell was. And Wang Fu Productions, which is a YouTube channel created by young Asian Americans. They make these short films, and they're really spot on. So half, having half of myself in each culture is challenging and sometimes stressful. I cannot be completely Chinese because I don't speak the language. And sometimes Chinese people would say, you're not a real Chinese, you don't speak Chinese. And how can I be American if I'm not white? I have to do a constant balancing act. I do make every effort to help my granddaughter grow a sense of herself as a person of color. It must be working because on a recent visit to Davis, as we ate at a Chinese restaurant, she announced, I'm Chinese. (laughs) Yes, you are, I answered. 
Yes, you are. My original family was from Datong, Shanxi province, a place attached to Inner Mongolia. It is pretty cold and dry over there, so we have no rice growing. Wheat flour and flour from other grains such as oat and corn are the main food source in that area. Every mom has a hundred ways of making all kinds of noodles, dumplings, balls and steamed bread. When I was a kid, Chinese New Year is the biggest time for preparing food. I still remember before the big feast of the New Year's Eve, the smile of various food permeated the air. My mom would fry a lot of meatballs, fish, chicken, pork, and the New Year cake made from sticky rice flour. She put them in a couple of huge sealed containers in the balcony. That way, she would not need to cook for the next two weeks. In the evening, the whole family will sit together to make dumplings together. Usually, my father would be the one making the dumpling skins from scratch. Everyone else had their own way of wrapping the dumplings. All the dumplings sealed or a little bit leaking, delicate or not very pretty, all went into a big pot of boiling water. Along with the sound of the firecrackers outside indicate a brand new year is coming. Every year, kids love Chinese New Year 
Every kid loves kid, every kid loves Chinese New Year because of the good food, new clothes, long holidays, and red envelopes. Most kids get their red envelopes from parents, grandparents, uncles, and aunts. The one from parents was given on the New Year Eve. You put it under your pillow or in your pocket, and that next morning you can spend it. The ones from relatives are received when you, they visit us or we visit them. Usually, kids just spend the money on street food and firecrackers. One year, my daddy decided my brother and me should learn to save money. So he kept all our red envelopes and took us to the bank after the New Year holidays. The bank counter was unnecessarily high. Before I realized anything, it was down. My money is gone. It, becomes, it became a small piece of paper with printed red lines and my name typed on top. And my mom told me she will keep it for me so I won't lose it. So I, and I never see that piece of paper again. <laughs> Many years passed and the things have changed a lot. Today, even kids over there don't know the fun of disassemble a bunch of little firecrackers, light them one by one in your hand and throw them in the air. And this year, the coronavirus makes things very hard over there. My kids never exper experienced Chinese New Year in China. I hope they can have some sweet memories just like me. But I really cannot fry so much food because my freezer is not big enough, like my mom's natural freezer outside. And the kids have good food every day. They might not appreciate anyway. But I still like to prepare dumplings from scratch and let them try each step like we did here yesterday. My three years old son is very proud of anything he made. And the five-year-old girl is just running around without getting even one dumpling down. <laughs> I guess it looks pretty much like my brother and me 40 years ago. Well, I haven't started giving them red envelopes yet because I, I think they have no chance to spend money. But at some point, I will do it, and I will take them to the bank. <laughs> I came to the U.S. 10 years ago as a visiting scholar and met my husband in UC Davis. He told me to stay, and he said, there are so many Chinese in the university that UC should be called University of China. <laughs> I wonder if it is politically correct to say that. <laughs> Davis is the first place I visited and the only place I stayed in this country. I call it my home now. One day my daughter said, Mom, you're from China and Daddy is from Puerto Rico. I'm glad you both came here and have me here. I told her, I am glad too. So we've come to understand more about two members of our congregation that you may not have known well before. There were two small elements that um, I heard 
from uh, speaking with my neighbor who is from China and spends much of her year here, but also a goodly portion of her year in China with her husband's parents and with her own parents. And she said um, the reason why red is important is that there is a god, um, of, and she said it was quick to say this is a folk tale, like there isn't this religious god, and I was like, I get it, um, a god of that's called Year, the word translated as Year, who is a monster and will snatch people out of the darkness and hurt them. And he's afraid of red. So if you wear red, you're safe from being snatched from this god of darkness. And that god is also afraid of firecrackers. And so the, uh, it was like the, the long stick of firecrackers is um, like bamboo. Is a is reminiscent of a long piece of bamboo that's been soaked in water and has moisture in it and then is lit and crackles and sparkles. And so that's, that's the history of that. So uh, if you are not wearing red today, please look out. And if you are, life is safe for you. So go home and put on a red ribbon or something. I invite you to enter into a time of peacefulness, of reflection, where we will be quiet together. We are rarely quiet anywhere these days, and even more rarely in a group. But it is unique, and it is a form of trust. And first, these prayers of the people that came to us from our congregation. For the transitions at different stages of life and how we are more vulnerable in these moments, sometimes needing a special hand and sometimes wanting someone to celebrate with us. Alana Grisner will have another thoracic surgery to adjust the bar in her chest. And this surgery brings anxiety for the whole family. And they want us to hold them as they are anxious and to give them courage. For Allison Luck, who turned 20 this week, and amazed Lisa Oakes, her mom, who has watched her grow to become an adult. For Ellen Kopik, who moved into a facility where she will receive more care, and her adult children are witnessing their mother shift to a new stage of life. For Dorothy Frew, who is unwell and undergoing testing, and she asked to have her name mentioned in your presence as a congregation and in this space. She said this alone gives her comfort. For our board, as they transition to the second half of their year, gratefulness for their commitment to the well-being of every person in this congregation. And on this day, when we transition to bring those who seek shelter in our community to our congregation, let us hold in our hearts those who feel most responsible for the interfaith rotating winter shelter, especially our coordinators, the lead volunteers, and the staff. For the government officials in the United States Senate 
as they hear evidence in the impeachment trial for the current president of this country. May they find the strength to be wise. And for the people of Wuhan, China, and beyond, as they struggle with the fear of a virus that is taking lives, especially on this new year, a time when traveling to be with family is of primary importance. Let us remember them. There is a love that moves among us if we are open to it. A love that moves to support and buoy our spirits when we are weary and discouraged, when we need to find strength and inspiration. It is a love that risks, invites us to Consider a new way of thinking, a new perspective, new customs. And this love dares to be with others when they are at a turning point in life, knowing that every one of us will at some point be at a turning time of transition. And we could use the understanding of another. This is a love that goes beyond reason. Spirit of life and love, may we be open to what comes to us in this, this new year. Amen. And blessed be. And I extinguish the pillar candle of sorrows and may the sorrows that we carry be halved, and may the joys that we have within us be multiplied, and may the messages that we heard here today continue to inform us until we meet again when we are inspired yet again. And so we begin with our New Year message. 祝您新年快乐，健康幸福，事业有成。We wish you happiness, health, and prosperity in the year to come. Let this congregation say, Amen. Amen.